It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, man. Anything's possible. Yeah. Rainy days, jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it like when Tatum play a Jalen on the breakaway, a Kyrie when he make a trade, and nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth that after you play it, you gotta repeat. So in depth they might do an hour about the D League. So in depth you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. And well wishes go to Gordon. Listen after every game is very important, Millie. Celtics podcast with the reigning Jays. Today it's me, your boy Jay King from MassLive.com, doing a crossover podcast with Locked On Wizards and the great Ben Standig from Locked On Wizards. Obviously, we we just saw Celtics Wizards on Christmas Day. It, they, they're not beefing anymore. They're not beefing anymore. And this well, makes you sad, doesn't it? I, honestly, I think I might be the most impacted of anyone by the lack of beef between the Celtics and Wizards. I, I take that hard for, for whatever reason. I was, I got very into that. I was, I was a big fan of all the, the bad blood. Like I, I was going through all of it today and some of it was just ridiculous. Like John wall al- alleged that the Celtics stepped on his fingers on purpose. Marcus smart, like, he got tackled by John Wall, I think, later in that same game. There was the nose boop. There was a fight that went into the hallway. There was Jay Crowder saying that Randy Whitman was screaming at him, calling him soft, cussing at him. It was just something new every time those two teams went against each other. And I missed it. I missed it at Christmas Day. They, they're cordial now. Wait, did you what? include uh, the whole like Al Horford and Markeith Morris? Uh, yeah, there were. There was I just brought up some some of the outrageous. There was Terry Terry Rozier versus Brandon Jennings. Brandon Jennings threw his shoe. Remember, mm-hmm. like just some outrageous things. And I missed it. I missed it. Well, you know, and and we'll get into the bigger point of what <laughs> maybe why it's gone and what it means for both of these teams. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, it was it was so much fun last season. And I think that's why, at least from this end. Not I, there was so much talk about that series, but in part because obviously the Wizards lost, and can they get past you know the Celtics, get to that next round? They've been in the Eastern Conference semifinals now three of the last four years, but haven't gotten past. Um, but also like they haven't had like the, the Wizards haven't had a rival in forever. I mean, when I say forever, I mean like I've been around, you know, I've been paying attention to this team my whole life, and I mean literally never. <laughs> like their rivals always beat them. LeBron with with, with Cleveland 1.0. They always met in the playoffs. He always won. I think there was hope that maybe the Celtics thing would become a would become a thing. You definitely got the impression during the offseason that it meant more to the Wizards than it did the Celtics. So I'm sure we're looking up at Cleveland rather than down at the Wizards. But yeah, you're right. It was disappointing that that, that it hasn't quite stuck. But like I said, I, I kind of once we saw the shape of what you're you know the Celtics looked like I did kind of wonder if, if, if yesterday was going to be what happened and obviously it was a little cordial as you said 
I mean, by a little cordial, like Jason Tatum and Bradley Beal swapped Christmas presents. Right. And the Morris Morris brothers clearly are uh, they have no beef with one another. Yeah, there was one point where Markeith Morris fell and Kyrie went over and helped him off the floor, and I was I was sitting there like spit on him. <laughs> Step over him, like d- disrespect him, insult him, right. start a start a fight, nose boob him, uh, but none of it happened. But before we go, before we continue, everybody needs to check out Locked On Wizards. It's the. Are you the only daily Wizards podcast? Got to be right. Uh, only daily. I, l- last year, I was like there, there were some other ones last year, but I feel like people saw that what was going on and they were like, Oh, well we should be more consistent with our podcast. So there's a few more out there now, but I'm the only one who's silly enough to do it basically every day. And, and you're the best wizards podcast. So take it. Yeah. Every day locked on wizards, every day locked on Celtics. If you want to follow us and subscribe to us, search for us on iTunes, Google play audio boom. Where else can you listen to podcasts? Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Spotify, Everything. So search for us. Listen to us Monday through Friday. We're here with you to give you the goods. Today after Christmas, we're podcasting because we love you, because we love basketball. And so now back back to Celtics Wizards, <laughs> which well, was which was cordial yesterday. So, so here's my question now to sort of bring it back to the basketball point of it all. Last year, you know, these two teams played 11 times. The home team won each game so you couldn't get much more even than that but you know it 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 did kind of feel to me that like the Celtics had such an edge with Avery Bradley with Jay Crowder Isaiah Thomas certainly a you know despite being his you know small dude you know seemed to bring an element of you know toughness he certainly was a he's a very fearless guy and that Part of it seemed to be, the, to me, the strength of Boston. Wizards had a better starting five last year. Celtics had the better bench. But since the starters tend to obviously play more minutes, it felt like the way Boston starters could sort of limit the the gap was because they were going to be tough as hell. I mean, John Wall said Avery Bradley was the toughest defender he faced. I mean, Jay Cratter was a huge pain in the butt because he's so physical. That it's hard for Otto Porter to deal with if he's guarding him. But now the, all those three are gone. Um, that's not breaking news. And it just felt like watching it head to head for the first time, it felt like you could see how the Wizards could get by this a little bit easier without that element of like, hey, if you come down this lane, we're going to get at you. I didn't feel that yesterday. And I'm not saying that's why they won, but it doesn't. It, the matchup didn't feel as scary without those guys around. And I'm kind of wondering if that's sort of a thing for Boston as a whole this year because of the new identity. I think I think that's overrated to be honest. I, I think I, I I agree with you. Like when I looked at the Celtics roster, I thought, where's the edge gonna come from? Where's the competitiveness gonna come from? How is that going to to play out? But I mean it's it's tough to have the number two defense, which the Celtics do without being super competitive. And I think, you know, Jalen Brown has provided a lot of what Avery Bradley did defensively where he can get the top guys they still have Marcus Smart who's a fierce competitor what's weird about the Celtics team is that as many changes as they've made over the last month their statistical profile is like the exact same as last year's Celtics it's kind of spooky like offensive rating defensive rating 
the splits when Kyrie's on the court versus when he's not on the court versus the splits last year when Isaiah was on the court versus not on the court. It's like like they've become this team that has like the the starting lineup is a strength. The the bench doesn't always score. And then against the Wizards yesterday, that game felt a lot like the series last season where the Wizards starters were better. The Celtics bench was better. And it was like a game of runs. Whenever John Wall and Bradley Beal weren't on the court, the Celtics surged. And then it came down to whoever executed last. So I, it, it's it's watching that and seeing how this season has unfolded. It's funny to me that like with all the changes the Celtics made, it seems like the Celtics and Wizards are kind of stuck in the same place. or Maybe not stuck in the same place, but in the same place where they're one of several teams that are trying to knock Cleveland off Cleveland's throne. And it seems to me like it's, again, the same teams. I mean, you could argue, I guess, the Bucks should be there. Maybe if you're really high on Victor Oladipo with the Pacers. But I, I think, again, it's like Cleveland and then Washington, Toronto, Boston in whatever order. And I'm not sure, again, like I wasn't sure last year, that there's a lot of difference between those three teams. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. Right. I mean, Cleveland, I mean, it's they've been, they've come through DC now twice this year and it's pretty clear that the Wizards are not on the same level right now, simply because Cleveland just has so much more depth. I mean, they haven't even had, at the time they played him the last time, they didn't even have several guys. Obviously, Isaiah Thomas hasn't even come back, and that'll be fascinating to see how does Cleveland integrate him. That's not, I don't think it's as easy as people think, but nonetheless, it could make them even more potent than they already are. So I think ultimately you're right. I think it does feel like everybody is sort of playing to, you know, who's either going to be number two to Cleveland or, you know, who's, you know who who thinks they can they can catch him, um, but but the one thing that sort of stood out to me just to go back to that Wizards to the Wizards Celtics matchup, like Al Horford destroyed the Wizards last year in the playoffs. If there was any single player on Boston that I think was the difference, it was Horford. He shot what sixty one percent I think from three last year. Because yep. the Wizards, 
didn't have Scott Brooks didn't have another front court player he could trust out on the court, especially late in games. The, other than having to stick with either uh, Marching Gortata, Jan Mahimi, and those guys can't cover Horford out at the five. So they were constantly in a position where stretch five destroyed them. And they didn't address that really this year. But yesterday, when the lineup that went with Markeith Morris, Otto Porter, and Kelly Oubre, they couldn't have done that last year, partly because Oubre wasn't close to being as consistent as he's been this year. He's still somewhat maddening at times, and he played very well yesterday, but he's been better in general. But also, it just felt like because... The, because Boston was going with, who was out there late in games? Obviously, you have Jason Tatum at one forward, and who who was sort of the other one? Was it Jalen Brown? Jalen Brown, yeah. So those guys are obviously crazy good talented, but they're also very young, and neither one of them is terribly physical. So you could put Otto Porter and Kelly Oubre, two not very physical players, out there. Whereas last year with Crowder, it just felt like he was he was a pain for the Wizards, and 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 so the combination of being the Wizards being able to use Ubre now where they didn't a year ago and not having to use and not being worried about having to have Gortat out there and not worried about a physical threat it just felt like it was an easier matchup for the Wizards so I, I they like I said I, like I said to you before we got on here the Wizards have been a huge pain in the butt covering this year because every time they they have a good win it makes you feel like they're about to start you know taking names you know crapola city shows up and they turn in a massive stinker like losing at Brooklyn by 36 points a week, uh, 10 days after, they already lost to Brooklyn. They lost to four by 46 to Utah this month. So they've had some terrible games. So we'll see if this is the turnaround. But I actually kind of liked, for the first time in a while, liked what I saw against the, the Wizards against a really good team because it just felt like the matchup for them this time was better. Cleveland, no, but Boston, yes. I, I, I disagree with you about Jalen Brown not being physical. Uh, Tatum is more physical than he looks. Um but I, I did think watching that game yesterday, the that was that lineup, the closing lineup that the Wizards used, the one you pointed out, that really stood out. And it stood out because, like you said, Brooks didn't go to that last year. And like you said, Horford murdered, murdered, murdered Gortat. And whenever the Celtics needed it, the, their big guys were able to get open and either beat closeouts or shoot threes. And it was Horford. It was a Linux sometimes. It was always somebody. So that lineup and the fact that they were able to go to that lineup and use that lineup and really win with that lineup, that, that's a big deal, I think. And I, I, think, I think you're really right about that. Now, if, if Marcus Morris gets fully healthy sure. as, as Tatum progresses, when Jalen Brown is fully healthy too, he's been dealing with an Achilles issue and then hurt his knee yesterday, maybe that, that dynamic changes. But yeah, that, that, that's a huge lineup. All right, I, I got a question for you. This season, obviously, the Wizards have been up and down. What do you think has been the biggest positive change from last year? And then after this, I'm going to ask the biggest negative change. Before we get to that answer, fantasy sports fans, listen up. Did you know that your chances of winning on draft are 80% better than on salary cap sites? That's why draft is my favorite fantasy site. No more getting crushed by the pros. And it's not just me. More than 1 million people have already downloaded Draft 2. That includes Sam, Jam, Packard the Great, and John Corrales. I think they'll both be doing drafts tomorrow or today when you're listening to this. Wednesday, it's Draft Wednesday. Play with the Locked On Celtics boys. Try to take their money. You can sign up. You can play with them. You can play in a real live NBA draft. It'll be done in under five minutes, and you'll get paid out the next day. 
day. Drafts are filling every second, so you can join one whenever you want. All new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use my promo code LONBA. That's right. Play in a real money draft for free just by using my promo code LONBA. But it gets even better. Draft is so sure you'll love it that they're even offering locked on Celtics listeners a money back guarantee up to $100. Just search Draft in your app store or go to draft.com and come play free right now. Or wait for John Corrales and Sam Packard for Draft Wednesday. Use the promo code L-O-N-B-A for your free opportunity. All right, back to the Wizards and Ben Standing's answer to my question. Well, early on in the season, I I would have said, like, Bradley Beal and Otto Porter, you know, continue to get a little bit better. Um, and maybe sometimes a lot better, and that was a big help. And Ubre early in the year in particular was, was better. But honestly, even though it didn't show yesterday, I think what what's been the biggest growth for the Wizards and why and and probably the key to them really thinking that that maybe they can contend in the East is actually been the bench play. Uh, the bench play, which I mean, last year was an utter joke. It was yeah. a disaster. Every time they would come in. It, a big lead would disappear. I mean, the Wizards yeah. had big leads against the Celtics in those first two games of the playoffs. And, and then Brandon Jennings, Brandon Jennings would step on the court and it'd be like an automatic 12-0 run for Boston. Yeah, I, I, I looked it up. I think in that series, their net rating was like a minus 12, uh, the, the Wizards bench. But in, over the course of this year, they're, they're around like 10th in net rating, the bench. But when John Wall got hurt and right around Thanksgiving and missed nine games in a row, they put Tim Frazier, who was the primary backup point guard, into the starting lineup and brought Sadoransky in as the number two, as the backup, as the point guard for the second unit. From that point on, the second unit has looked a million times better because Sadoransky, um, again, it didn't really show yesterday. He's just been, he, he, he's got a lot of energy to him. He's a big guard. He's a really good passer. He can make plays. Combining him with Oubre and then Mike Scott has been, he, he literally, he was shooting no joke, 71% over his 10 games prior to the Christmas Day game. From yeah, he's been killing. And he's taken like threes. I mean, he it was insane. So those three guys, Jan Mahibmi's been healthy. Th- that combination has been a lot better to the point there have been plenty of games where the Wizards ben- where the Wizards are much better when the bench is in, which I, it, if you had told me that a year ago, that I'd be saying that. I'd be like, yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> uh, how, you know, can, I, can I get some of whatever you're having? Because that would be impossible. But so I I think their bench play has been good enough to make the make you think that if once Wall and Morris are getting a little bit healthier, the starters play with more consistency, especially on defense. If they get back to where they were a year ago, the Wizards look much more uh, look like a fifty win team, something they haven't looked like most of this year. There you go. All right, now now what do you think is the the most negative change? It's, and, and I'm asking especially like when it comes to a playoff series potentially one between the Wizards and Celtics. What's what's the biggest negative change? Uh, Is there one? <laughs> well, ugh. you know, the the, the, the the center situation is still not ideal, right? I mean, uh, you know, Marcin Gortat is a totally solid guy. He had a very good game yesterday. Uh, and Jan Mahimi's been better. But you're talking about two guys who are over 30. The, the, they're almost dinosaurs now with the way the, the, the game is going. So if, if they're in a series – 
where they can't get on the you know where they can't get on the court, then the Wizards are automatically lose a lot of size. The only other big they really have that they can use is Markeith Morris and Mike Scott, who's really a small forward masquerading as a you know stretch four because of the way the NBA is these days. Um, so so that's just a lot of uh, a- assets that they may not be able to use depending on the matchup. Uh, I'll just also say that th- they were hoping that Jody Meeks was going to be a little more of a consistent threat off the bench from three. His shot has not been there at all. And, and if he can't get going, they just don't have another guard in the backcourt who can help. So the, the depth is still somewhat of an issue, uh, but the big man in particular, you know, to have two centers who are just completely the opposite of the way the game is going is not ideal against certain teams. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And especially once it comes to the playoffs, like, Teams can teams some some teams are are able to exploit that matchup. Like not everybody can, but the Celtics are one team that when Gortat's out there, when Mahimi's out there, they can they can force those guys into closeouts. They can force those guys into pick and roll actions and kind of take advantage of that. And Gortat's always seemed to play pretty damn well against the Celtics, but last year in the playoffs, like he had a lot of trouble containing Isaiah and containing Horford when they were in pick and roll and pick and pop actions. Um, yeah, and you know, just, I guess just lastly uh, on the Wizards front, I mean, everybody's con- everybody in these parts is desperate for them to make a major trade. Go, you know, go see, get Boogie Cousins, get DeAndre Jordan because rim protection is like a is not a great it's not a great asset for this team. But they don't really have much to work with. They've traded their first round pick away three the last four years. Uh, the, the, the only really young asset that they have on the team is Kelly Oubre and. You know, you saw a game like yesterday. You don't really want to, like, move him if you don't have to. So yeah. you don't really have a lot to work with as opposed to, say, a team up in Boston who's got, you know, still, even with the moves that Boston's made, they have tons of assets to, to, to work with. They can, in theory, land a, a, a big fish if there's somebody out there. So, you know, if we get closer to the deadline and other teams start making moves, it's hard to see exactly what the Wizards can do to keep up. Yeah, although I- – I I did I do love that closing lineup they use. I think with Ubre Porter, Ubre's got a lot better, man. Ubre has added a lot to his game from where he was, especially a couple of years ago. That that kid has has really advanced his skill set. Um, and him being being better, and you know Otto, Otto Porter being what he is now, knockdown shooter, who can do some other things too. Like when when they have those two guys on the wing and Beal and Markeith Morris. They can switch a lot. Now, I, w- I was – I think a lot of people expected the Wizards to take a big step forward this year because of the way they, they finished last season. I was kind of on the other side of things, and not because of who they have on their team. I, I think John Wall and Bradley Beal are fantastic. I think – I like Porter. Uh, I like Gortat. I like a lot of their pieces. I think their starting five is fantastic. Um I kind of expected them to settle in somewhere around their win total from last year because last year they had a lot of injury luck. Like they yeah. didn't have they didn't have any injury issues all season. Their starting five was remarkably healthy until Markeith Morris had the unfortunate ankle injury against the Celtics in the playoffs. Like they were they were incredibly healthy last year and those guys piled up a lot of minutes because of it and you weren't able to see how big an issue their bench was most of the season because they just played their starters a ton of minutes. Um, and this year, you've kind of seen it go the other way where Morris has already missed time, Wall's already missed time. Like, it's it's kind of bounced back to where now they, they've had 
they've been unlucky with injuries and you've kind of seen that. I, I think that's probably the biggest, biggest problem for them so far is that they just haven't had everybody healthy. And because of their lack of depth, even though it's gotten better, that's kind of, kind of kept them from, from climbing up the, the standings more than they have, I think. Yeah, no, I mean, John Wall has basically only played in, or sorry, he, he's essentially missed a third of their games. Yet yesterday was only their 13th game in which the starting five played together. Uh, and and to take it to another level, with, with Sadoransky as, Sadoransky, they, they left him as the backup point guard when Wall returned and Frazier has been put to the bench. Yesterday was only, if you believe that that second unit is, is the ideal one, which I do, Yesterday was literally only the second game all season in which you had the the starting five healthy with full you know, able to play full minutes and the backups with Sadoransky at point. That's only the second game all year that they've even had that. So the, the they've yeah there's been some injuries and obviously all teams go through some things and you're totally right they've already missed more games this year from the starters than they did all of last year. So a lot of luck last year, some unfortunate this year. We'll see. It looks like Marquise Morris is starting to finally look a little bit better. And uh, that that would be uh, that would be huge with with without without uh, with a doubt. Uh, but but let me let me flip this to you though. I mean, you guys obviously opening night, you know, the worst case scenario anyone could imagine with that with the horrific Hayward injury. And <laughs> yep. Everybody starts saying, oh well, there goes Boston's chances of, of competing really in the East. Now they'll make the playoffs probably because Brad Stevens is is in fact the last Jedi. I, I saw that movie. I was stunned to work about him. Um, but. Uh, but you know, whatever. And then, oh, nah, screw that and screw that narrative. Let's go on and win eight thousand games in a row and lead and essentially lead the East up until yesterday. But there are five and six in the last eleven games. What, what's I guess what surprised you about the, that start and what's been different now that they're going seemingly a little bit the other way? Uh, what's surprised me about the start mostly just how ready Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are. I mean, Jason Tatum for a 19-year-old is just ridiculous. Like, you look at the seasons teenagers have put up, he's posting one of the best seasons by a teenager in NBA history with the efficiency, the scoring, the rebounding. He plays some defense, although he got burned a couple times late last night. Um, We're recording this Tuesday for those listening. But, yeah, those guys being ready is huge. And when when the Celtics traded – Isaiah, Jay Crowder, and as part of the package for Kyrie Irving, I thought losing Jay Crowder was going to be a huge hit. But in some ways, it's it's almost been a positive because it's cleared time for Tatum and Brown, who have both been really, really good. So that that's that was probably the the biggest thing that that stuck out. And then obviously Kyrie's really good at basketball. <laughs> Al Horford really good at basketball. And the other thing, they're, they're, some of their bench pickups have, have really helped. Like Daniel Tice is pretty damn good. He's helpful. They, they found him in Germany for, you know, signed him for the vet, veterans or for the minimum. They set Shemi Ojale, who didn't play yesterday because of a back issue. He's, he's been okay. They picked him up in the second round. Shane Larkin, who they scooped who they revived his NBA career from Europe. He's been pretty good too. He's won them a few games off the bench. So they've kind of, they struck on some of their smaller signings and then Tatum and Brown have just been a lot more mature than they probably should be at 19 and 21. And then the, 
as far as the the slippage has gone, it's kind of I think they're kind of regressing more to the expectation. Tatum is still going to be a studly 19 year old, um, but I don't think it was crazy to me that their defense was ranked number one for a while with how young they are with, uh, you know, some, some of the, their lineups are, are really small. Um, and so I, I expected some slippage. Now they've been pretty mediocre for the last month. I'm not sure whether they're better than that. I'm not sure whether they are mediocre. I think they'll end up settling in somewhere in between. Um, but yeah, the defense, the rebounding, they've, they've almost become, like I said, statistically, like a, a replica of last year's team. And and it's strange <laughs> how they only have four returners, but they've kind of settled into like the exact mold. But it kind of makes sense because Kyrie, not that he does it the same way as Isaiah, but he's a high-scoring guy who has a, a lot of, draws a lot of attention. Tatum for all the skills that he has, hasn't really opened up his offensive game. He's mostly just a, a spot-up shooter at this point, or re- kind of reluctant. Not mostly just spot-up shooter, but he's reluctant to open up the throttle. Um, Brown has kind of filled like the, the Avery Bradley role, so it's they're, they're very similar to last year's team, the way they're playing right now over the last month. So, And that's fine. Like Last year's team was really good. They still have Gordon Hayward coming. Tatum, Brown, those guys are going to get older. Kyrie will, should only get more comfortable in the system. A lot of things like that. Um, but it, it is weird how, how they've kind of settled into that after being very different and being very defensive-minded over the first month of the season. You, you know, to, to go back towards something you said earlier when I mentioned the toughness and you said that uh, you know, Jalen Brown is, is, is plenty tough, you know, I, I think maybe also what I'm noticing is it is pretty weird to see Kelly Oubre not be the baby in any situation. I mean, he's been <laughs> three years. I mean, he's still pretty young. He's only 22. But Brown, this is only his second year at Tatum, a rookie. And, and part of Oubre's issues are in particular are lack of sort of just basic NBA instincts. But it's less of an issue when the guys he's going up against are less experienced than he is. And, and maybe that's on some level what I, what I noticed. Uh, j- just, the, uh, you know, like – Brown and Tatum are fantastic. I mean, you know, I'd be happy if, if you know, if the Celtics wanted to trade them this way, I'd be happy <laughs> to figure out a way to get them on the Wizards. Uh, and and for the future, obviously that that combination with with, with Kyrie and 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 Hayward, whatever whatever else Danny Ainge cooks up, looks to be pretty formidable. But you know, you look ahead to big in big games. You know, it's, especially once you get to the playoffs, you know, rookies historically fade away a little bit. So. Uh, you know that that sort of goes to my what I was sort of noticing earlier, like that. Uh, it'll be curious to see where Boston's at, I guess, come playoffs, because at no fault of their own, they're just relying on two guys who are very young in particular uh, for 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 big roles. Now, obviously, you do, you will have Marcus Morris back, and you know, again, we'll see what other moves are made, but uh, but uh, but that'll be curious. But yeah, I mean, it, it, from the outside, it was insane watching the Celtics do what they do. I mean. It was crazy. I mean, Brad Stevens, I mean, because you see this all the time in sports, it is very hard for a lot of coaches to get off of a plan that they have. And even if you lose Hayward the way they did, it's still like, well, we're going to just plug in this guy. We'll keep doing the same thing. I so respect the coaches who look at what they have and say, oh, no, we were going to do this, but now we're going to switch and do these things. And for him to, whatever adjustments he had to make to turn this into – you know, with Tatum and Brown being so heavily involved, surely more than he imagined, just is so impressive. 
to to watch that. I mean, he he is the next Olympic coach whenever Popovich is done, right? I mean, that's got to be a, that's got to be done, right? I, I, people around Boston wondered that when when Popovich gets, is done, but I don't know. We'll we'll see. I, I I think he would love to do it. I think he'd be honored if if they asked him, and he's he's got to be one of the candidates. Because not only is he a really good coach, but he's also like, there's nothing wrong with him as as a person. Like he's just a very solid, solid human. So I think it, it would be a good fit. Although the last two guys, Coach K and Popovich, they both have the military background. So I wonder if that's something that they they really look for, or whether that's just a, a coincidence with those two guys. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Obviously. They've both been huge winners, but yeah, sure. Anything's, uh, anything's possible. Uh, Kyrie's going to the all-star game. I get that. He'll probably start. I would imagine. Is anybody else on Boston you think is a lock? I mean, Horford obviously is going to get consideration. And yeah, I think, I think Horford should be there. What about Tatum? I haven't done the deep dive yet. No, no. Tatum, Tatum. I mean, he's only averaging like 13, 14 points a game. He has like the eighth or ninth highest usage rate on the Celtics, which is crazy. He needs he needs more opportunities. They're, they're trying to get him more opportunities, especially like playing him with the bench unit, running more offense through him. I think he will get more opportunities as the season goes along, but he hasn't had enough volume to, to be there. Nobody else has a chance, I don't think. I, I But I do think Kyrie and Horford will both be there. Should be. Because everybody, because here, I mean, obviously John Wall's made it four times, and I'll assume he'll get there by the end. He hasn't played completely to hit his normal level and he's been hurt but presumably he'll he'll be fine he'll, he'll be on the team bradley beal has got to get on there this year i thought that even before the season started but the way he's played and he's still top 10 in the league in scoring he'll get in and then the question has been could they conceivably get three guys because otto porter has played at a pretty good level uh he he, he was kind of banged up for a couple weeks with a hip issue uh, I, you know it just seemed, would seem crazy for three guys to get in from a team that right now is like seventh in the east but it seems somewhat possible just because the East did lose a lot of guys. And, uh, you know, I, anyway, so I'd be, I'm just sort of curious to see uh, it's, how it's, many people thought you guys would get in being as the top seed. It's, it's funny because everybody thought, like, the East All-Stars would be the worst ever and this and that. And then you look at it, it's like, well, Giannis is an absolute monster. And Porzingis, absolute monster. And you got Oladipo, who's suddenly a worthy all-star, and LeBron, and Kyrie, and Horford, and DeRozan, and Lowry, and it's like all of us, then you got Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid, and it's like, there's a lot of freaking talent in the East, and and maybe it, it wasn't, well, it definitely wasn't, in a lot of cases, established talent, but the East has, has a ton of young, young, talented players. So, it it's not nearly as dire as people thought when all the trades happened and Paul George went away and Carmelo Anthony went away and, and kind of everybody with the exception of Gordon Hayward really went from the East to West um, as far as all-star caliber talents go. But the, the East, those all-stars, they're still going to be formidable. Yeah. And no, I also got like Andre Drummond, I assume with the- yeah, Kem- Kemba Walker. And, and, and by the way, when you, when you mention all those guys, you know, it brings me up a point with the Wizards and the Celtics. For the Wizards, like, part of what's been disappointing this year is the players certainly aren't going to view it this way, but those of us on the outside will. This is kind of their year, right? Because when you look at the East, after all these years of being down, all those guys you just mentioned, Simmons and Embiid with Philly, Giannis and Milwaukee, Porzingis, all these guys presumably are going to be 
huge threats for the next, you know, five to ten years, barring whatever, free agency injuries, you know, dating a Kardashian, whatever. <laughs> um, and and Le- even you know, and, and LeBron is still a thing until he's not. And then you guys, uh, the, you know, the Celtics have a lot of young assets, have a lot of young players already, plus a ton of assets. The Wizards window to some degree, I mean, Wall, Beal, Otto, Oubre are very young, relatively speaking. But like I said, they don't have a lot to work with. So their window is not as big as, or not as long-term as, as say, it is with Boston, potentially. And it does kind of feel like they need to get going this year because, you don't, I don't. it's hard to say for sure that by next year, you know, Giannis, Porzingis, they may be passing John Wall in terms of best players in the East. And when, when once that starts happening, you know, where are the Wizards? So I think this is a big year for the Wizards, and it's been it's it's kind of why this slow start has been uh, you know a little annoying. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. And yeah, there there are a lot of teams when you look at it, it's like whoa, they they might be really dangerous later on. Like I I don't think the the Knicks necessarily have the the right pieces around Porzingis. But he's going to be so good that they're going to win a lot of games in the future. And the Bucks, like, get Jabari Parker healthy. How good could they be? Giannis is – Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's – I would say next after LeBron right now in, like, like to take the LeBron mantle as best player in the East whenever LeBron does slow down, if LeBron slows down or if he moves. Uh, and then you got the Sixers – and there, there's just a lot of young, talented teams who are kind of on the horizon like, right now, trying to trying to jockey for the position of, of team of the future. So yeah, you're right. And the the Wizards, like I think it really benefits them that that Ubre has become the player he has, and that Porter looks like he's worthy of the the max contract, and a, a lot of things have gone right for them. But you're right, like they don't have as much flexibility, and I think like growth potential is some of the other teams uh who have some of the the younger kind of rising stars right yeah i mean yeah i'm not saying like this is their only year but yeah especially with boston loses hayward you guys it's a lot of young players i mean we haven't even mentioned toronto who is currently number one yeah it's a sign of how much we all sort of dismiss their the poor raptors man they can't even get a, a christmas day game (laughs) <laughs> like why, why? Why? They gotta let the Raptors play on Christmas, but it is. It's like nobody believes in them, and they even went out and changed their whole playing style. Like lean toward assists. They got DeRozan shooting three pointers now. Like they, they've definitely made changes, but they've, they've been, they've struggled enough in the playoffs, and they've been around for long enough that everybody's like, yeah, whatever. Like the Raptors, great regular season team. I don't know what they can do in the playoffs, and there, there is that that feeling about the Raptors and to an extent, it's just like they ran into LeBron and nobody in the East has had any chance against LeBron for the last seven seasons, which is outrageous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I, I, I am cautiously optimistic that the Raptors have a better chance of being good in the playoffs this season, but I'm, I'm also not certainly not sold on them as a, as a playoff roster. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, you know, it, w- w- it's it's a thing I think that it's, it's, it's tough to explain to people sometimes if they're only sort of casually cover, watching sports. The regular season to postseason difference is ginormous. I mean, uh, the example I always use is Peyton Manning. Best regular season quarterback ever, and his playoff success was just not even close. 
His, his, his performance in the playoff, not even close. I, for whatever the reason, it just wasn't there. He's not the only one. We've seen this with, with others. Uh, so with Toronto, not saying that they can't get it done. And you're right. If they play Boston in, in the first round, in the second round instead of the Wizards, who knows? Maybe they win or they're the one who got the seven games and, you know, instead of getting swept and looking like they're a bunch of chumps. Um, so, yeah. So we'll see. But let me ask you this. And I know we probably need to go here in a second. I mentioned the people in these parts are desperate for the Wizards to make that a, a deal to get sort of that quote-unquote big star, especially a big man like a Cousins or DeAndre Jordan. It doesn't seem to me likely that that happens, especially for expiring contracts. But, you know, desperate desperate times, who knows? Boston doesn't isn't desperate, but they've got a lot more assets to work with. If you had to sort of guess what's the big move or what's the thing, if there or maybe there is no move, but what's the thing that you think is, is, is potentially on deck for Boston to, to try to make a move to get even uh, – a little more stack going into the uh, postseason. I think the the one thing that's most interesting to me right now is what they'll do with the disabled player exception. Will they go out and, and get bench help? I, I think bench scoring has loomed as an issue, and I don't think it'll be as big an issue in the playoffs when they give more minutes to Kyrie and more minutes to Horford and more minutes to Tatum, guys who can help that unit you know, put the ball in the basket. But do they go out and get that? Lou Williams type or somebody like that who can really help your second unit fill it up. Um, I don't, I don't think that anybody like super talented will be available with the disabled player exception, but who knows? Like there's a lot they could do adding draft picks and whatnot to, to try to fork somebody away. So that's the thing to me right now. And then the, obviously the, the big, I don't want to call it an X factor, but one, one big, you know, factor right now is Gordon Hayward. Is is he going to return this season? You know, he he's he's got the walking boot off. He's walking around, looks totally normal when he's walking around. Like I don't even know if he had a limp when I saw him yesterday at the Garden. So is he going to be able to come back? Is is he going to be able to to return this season? Because that would be a big freaking deal. And then I I do think like it, it's a crazy far fetched dream, especially right now. But I, I do think the Celtics at least have Anthony Davis on their radar and they're monitoring what happens in New Orleans and they know that that situation could could be one that Anthony Davis becomes available, whether it's you know this summer, next summer, whenever, at some point during during this contract. So that's, that's something they're looking at. That's something they'll monitor closely. Obviously, it's far-fetched. He's Anthony freaking Davis. Um, but they have so many draft picks and young players that anything kind of seems possible as, as long as if you can dream it, <laughs> then it might be possible. So, yeah, so annoying. I mean, like everybody loves coming up with trade ideas. We all do. And as somebody covering the wizards, I mean, all my ideas focus on, well, how much do the wizards have to give this team to take away Jan Mahimi's contract? <laughs> as you get to play the game of, okay, if they take these two picks <laughs> this guy, can they get Anthony Davis or something? Like, that's way more fun than me just going, hey, Jan Mahimi and uh, a first-round pick, Does that? can you just get rid of that and then take on somebody else's terrible contract? <laughs> it's way more fun. I know. Although, I mean, we played that game this past summer, and I was like, there's no way the Celtics will trade Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, and the Brooklyn pick for Kyrie Irving. It's not happening. And, of course, the exact same trade happens in real life. Um, so sometimes, sometimes that game goes, goes poorly for, for me, <laughs> for me at least, uh, too funny. 
too, too funny. But yeah, th- thanks for coming on the podcast, man. This has been fun. No, man, I'm glad, glad we got to do it. Uh, hope, uh, sorry I couldn't make it to Boston, but hopefully I'll see you down here uh, when he's come when these guys come down. And look, if they, if these guys don't want to uh, get into it, I will go out and buy you like a beef sandwich or something just to make sure you get some beef in your life when the Celtics <laughs> are going on. I just, I just missed, I just missed that there was always something like there was always something extracurricular to grab your attention. Now, now it's just basketball and it's fun basketball and they always play entertaining games. Like, well, I, I know the Wizards are willing. You just got to get Marcus Smart a little more riled up and maybe we can get something going. That that, but everybody else is like like a pacifist on the Celtics. Marcus Morris, I thought like Morris twins, you got to hold up the Morris twin code and and be a badass out there. But he's kind of been low-key, totally low-key. I don't, I don't think he's beefed with anyone this year. You've got Jason Tatum who, like, someone could punch him in the face and he'd probably just stand there and, like, be the same person he is. <laughs> he just never changes whatsoever. Uh, Al Horford's kind of the same way, although Markeith Morris did get under his skin last year. And Kyrie, same thing. Like, nothing phases him. He just doesn't get into it with anybody. So... These aren't last year's Celtics. They're they're very much a, a different bunch of guys. I have no hope for the Celtics Wizards beef being revived. It's just it's a goddamn shame. Well, if need be, we, you and I can just start going at each other on Twitter and <laughs> just to, just to get some juice going. Next time the guys are coming down, I can just uh, I'm in. All right, we'll we'll, we'll we'll come up with something. You know, we won't tell nobody. Nobody listening to this. Don't don't let people in on that. We'll come up with something. I'm in. All right, thanks a lot. And, Everybody else, that's it for this episode of the Locked On Celtics Podcast, a crossover edition with the Locked On Wizards Park Podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, Jay King and John Corrales, Locked On Celtics, Millie. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.